What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Coming up on episode 285 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the Kia Telluride, the Honda Pilot, uh, and a whole bunch of news from the Chicago Auto Show, including interviews with Jim Morrison and Kristen Gomez. All that and more coming up next. This is Wheel Bearings, episode 285. I am Sam Abdul from Guide Us Insights. I am Nicole Wakelin from um, Autobytel today. And I am Roberto Baldwin, let's say, in Gadget. And uh, who's ready to go first? Not me, because I'm still trying to log into Discord. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface something really quick. I have an EV6 GT right now, Ooh. and I've only done half the tests. And one of the tests I want to do is, is this weird fun test. So I'm, I'm just going to say the EV6 GT is still awesome, but I'm going to hold off on, on, um, on talking about it until next week, because after we're done with the podcast today, I have to go drive it for eight hours to do this like crazy test. Um, but I don't know. I guess that's a teaser. Join us next week for. Join us next week when Robbie gonna, talks about the car. Yeah. You're going to see how far you can drive at ten miles an hour. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How horrible uh, would that be, though? You're like, well, we got 240 <laughs> miles. Well, let's see, eight it hours, took us three days. Hour, that's, that's about 80 miles, so that's not very far. Um, all right. Uh, Nicole, are you ready, or should I go? You should go first, Sam. It's that all kind right. of Sunday. <laughs> I, uh, I had the 2023 Kia Telluride SX Prestige X-Pro V6 all-wheel drive. Wow. Uh, yeah. Too many X's in there. Uh-huh. Uh, well, actually, or... Maybe there's one few too one too few X's. I don't know. Uh, depends on how what your perspective is. But anyway, this is the uh, the, the the refreshed uh, Telluride that launched this year for 2023 model year. So it's got slightly different uh, look to the front end. I mean, it's not not dramatic. It's it's fairly subtle changes, but uh, you know, it's a typical mid-cycle refresh. Uh, and the uh, the X Pro uh, is new for this year. So this is an updated, higher-performance all-wheel drive system uh, that has, uh, I think, a, at least some modicum of center locking uh, to ensure that you can transfer torque to both axles when you're in slippery uh, conditions. Um, I didn't have an opportunity to do anything really off-roady with it, uh, but I've, I've seen some other uh, stuff that's been done with it where it's, it's actually surprisingly capable in, in off-road conditions. Um, the uh, the Telluride, of course, you know, is Kia's three-row uh, crossover. 
that is based on the same platform architecture as the Hyundai Palisade that I think uh, we talked that you talked about last week, Nicole. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it has its own kind of distinct flavor to it in terms of design and, and just general feel, um, which you know I think is good. You know, I mean, if you're going to have you know a an automotive conglomerate with multiple brands that is sharing hardware. Uh, what you don't want to do is what GM did in the uh, the 1980s, late 1980s, where uh, you had you know four, in some cases five variants of the same vehicle that pretty much all looked exactly the same um, and drove exactly the same and felt exactly the same, um, but basically just had different badges on them. You know, hence the term badge engineering. Um, <laughs> In, in Hyundai and Kia, and, and frankly, you know, other automakers have learned a lot since then. And, and even when they're using the same platform architectures, they've found ways to make the vehicles more distinct. Uh, so the the Telluride has a little bit more of uh, a little bit less of a luxury feel to it than the Palisade. Um, you know, but it still feels premium inside. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a little bit cleaner design on the outside. Uh, and you know maybe slightly sportier you know SUV-ish um, you know obviously it's the same basic shape you know it all you know big crossovers are the same basic wagon shape uh, but with within that that context uh, it it's good I, I like it a lot I am I am a big fan of the Telluride um, it's got a 3.8 liter uh, V6 engine same as in the the Palisade eight-speed automatic transmission. Um, and uh, the uh, uh, the all-wheel drive, you can get it with front-wheel drive as well. Um, but, uh, you know, this one, the SX Prestige, has all the goodies in it. It's got the big um, dual, uh, dual uh, panoramic uh, sunroof, um, t- a dual 12.3-inch displays uh, for the instrument cluster and the infotainment, uh, surround-view monitors uh, with the blind-spot view monitor system, which... Is pretty cool when you turn on the turn signals. There's cameras underneath the outside mirrors that show the view of your blind spot area in the instrument cluster um, in either the right or left hand gauge, depending on which signal you turn on. You got a heads up display in this one. Um, the uh, one thing Kia and Hyundai have not done yet is wireless support for uh, smartphone projection. So uh, if you're going to use your uh, your iPhone or Android phone, you do have to plug it in uh, to get that functionality. Uh, but otherwise... Well, see, that's so weird because on our Hyundai, we have wireless. But on, I have this EV6 GT, and I'm like trying to get it to like do wireless because on our Hyundai, which is the $35,000 EV, it's like we have wireless uh, CarPlay, but not on the the Kia. And it's like, that's, uh, that okay. is odd. I, I don't know why <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, the, it's, it's got basically all, you know, other than that, it's got all the goodies that you would want on a modern vehicle, uh, 20 inch wheels that the, uh, the X pro comes with, uh, more all terrain type tires, you know, give you nominally a little bit of extra traction, um, in the, uh, uh, in, in the dirt. Um, uh, but you know, these are not. These are not what you would find on, say, you know, a Wrangler or a Bronco, but you know, it'll it'll do for going down a, a dirt road. Um, and uh, digital key, um, 
And uh, what's, what else here? Uh, oh, rear occupant alert with ultrasonic sensors. Um, so it's using the um, the sensors inside the, the cabin to detect if there's somebody left behind, if you've left a kid behind in there, and, and give you an alert. Uh, so the um, this engine is, you know, in this vehicle is not exceptionally efficient. You know, it's fine. It, it's not it's not out of line with the, the competitive set. So it's rated at 18 miles per gallon city, uh, 24 highway, 21 combined. Uh, I got about 20 uh, during my time with it, uh, which, you know, as I said, is not, you know, not going to get anybody too excited, but it, it, it'll do. Um, and uh, mine came with the uh, the Midnight Lake blue paint, which is, uh, it's a darker blue, you know, with kind of grayish tones to it. It's not like a, it's not like a bright blue. Um, it's attractive. Um, probably wouldn't be my first choice, uh, but uh, but you know it, there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, and the terracotta interior, all in fifty five thousand one hundred and twenty dollars, which seems to be about the going rate for uh, for vehicles uh, in this class, uh, especially for the the high end versions of them. With all the things. With with all the things, you know, they start in the upper thirties typically, um, and fifty five grand is is kind of where it's at. Um, any uh, estimates of the uh, inland freight and handling charge, as they call it on this Monroney? Inland freight and handling. Well, that sounds. I like feel like special, it's huh? it's cheating because I know what the 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 the, the destination charge is for the EV6 GT. Okay. So I'll just let Nicole pick. Just go. I'm gonna I'm gonna go thirteen thirteen twenty five. Oh, that is amazing! It's thirteen thirty five. You are kidding? Yeah. Ten bucks. Wow. Okay, yeah. go me. Woo-hoo. <laughs> Excellent job. <laughs> All right. Somebody. Um. Cool. So that is the uh, the 2023 Kia Telluride SX Prestige X Pro V6 All Wheel Drive. <laughs> <laughs> the names. Please just shrink them down. Mine isn't quite that long this week. Is it my what, turn? What did, yeah. What do you have? I have the 2023 Pilot All Wheel Drive Trail Sport. I mean. Short, like they didn't even bother. They just threw names out there. And was like, ah, whatever. That's enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what what brand did that come from? You didn't. Oh, Honda, twenty twenty three Honda Pilot All Wheel Drive Trail Sport. Okay. There we go. How's that? So I guess that adds one more word. Yeah. Um, that's fine. So it's new this year, and the the big new is that they've added this Trail Sport trim, which is supposed to be their sort of off-road trim, but it's kind of off-road light. Like you were saying, Sam, no one's doing the Rubicon Trail in a Honda Pilot. Uh, that's not <laughs> happening. This is more like, you know, I, I'm someone who likes to be a little bit outdoorsy, and I need to drive my car off across a little bit of dirt to get to a cabin or a dirt road to get to a lake or whatever. But it's not for heavy-duty off-roading. It, it, but it does have some little bits and pieces to make it more off-road worthy. Um, it, this came in the most brilliant paint. It's like this blue, this really, and it just says on here, it says diffused sky. Oh, is it, is that, is it the sky? same light blue as the one that was on the show floor? Is that I didn't, was there a blue one on the floor? I didn't even catch the blue one that was on yeah, the floor. Yeah, it was uh, right next to the uh, the Honda Jet mock-up. That must have been it because it's this, it's this really really bright blue, um, which kind of looks cool with the fact that the Trail Sport stuff they make it all orange accents, so there's like a little Trail Sport badge sort of buried into the black grill, and there's orange accents inside, like the it's on the headrest, it's embroidered with Trail Sport. There's all this orange you know stitching everywhere. It's even on. 
the floor mats. Um, so it looks a little different than all the other Honda Pilots, um, but they do give it a little extra stuff. So it's not just a matter of looking at, like making it look better. They give it a little bit of extra, and now I've totally lost the page I had up. Um, it gets extra stuff, and I'll bring this page up as I'm talking to you. Um, but it, otherwise, it pretty much drives just like like a Honda Pilot. Like you know, it's not something that's off-roady enough that you think like, oh, this drives off, like an off-road vehicle. It doesn't. Um, it still drives pretty much the same. Uh, but it's you know, it's a great option. It's got plenty of room. I love that the rear is because this is a three-row to get to the rear seats, and I love it. The third row, rather, when they do this, there's not just like a latch on the side or even a button on the side of the second row. There's one so that if you're in the third row, you don't get left back there. Like the number of times you're left riding. behind. Don't pay attention, right? You're in the back oh. seat. It's a bunch of you and you're like, hello. <laughs> Can one of you flip the seat up? I'm trapped back here. I can't get out. So um, I like that there's a button that's easily accessible when you're like standing outside the car for the second row that's right uh, like low on the seat cushion and then there's one that's actually behind it like where you do the latch to release it but if you're sitting in that third row you can just go boop and it tips forward and slides forward and you can really easily get in and out the third row is pretty comfy but it has a very um short floor <coughs> like for someone especially like you robbie your knees would be so high like it would be uncomfortable oh yeah because the wheel yeah. Right. So it's not a matter of like the distance that you have between your knees and the second row. It's that that floor. Yeah. It's going to push your feet really high. So it's it's not ideal for anything other than really average height people. I mean, I noticed it and I'm 5'6", and I'm like, oh, this wouldn't be great for an overly long drive. This would start to bug you. Um, but I like the Honda Pilot. I think it's a comfortable car. It's It's nice to drive. Um, it has good features. The infotainment has all the kind of stuff you want. It has 200 and... 85 horsepower from its 3.5 liter V6 and a 10-speed automatic. So it moves. You know, this isn't a tiny car. It's fairly large, but if you mash your foot on the gas, it's going to go. Um, I didn't have a chance to drive into any kind of weather because it's felt like springtime in New England. Like, it was like 12 below, and it's like, nope, enjoy 50. So winter apparently is over in five days week. here for this week. <laughs> so, um, and it's... You know, it has all the, like this one, it has all the sort of bells and whistles. One of the things that you kind of lose, there's a difference. And aside from the off-road differences between the Pilot and this Trail Sport, when you go into the cargo area, the cargo area, because they wanted to, and this is like a good thing, but something you should be aware of. So in order to put a full-size spare there, they didn't want to give you like a donut if you were going to be in the dirt off-road. Like you don't want to be driving in that if mm -hmm. you're out in the middle of nowhere, you want a real tire. So it made the cargo, the underfloor in the back, a little bit shorter. It's not quite as deep as what you uh, find. So right, because the other ones have a donut where this has a full-size spare. So you're sacrificing... So is the tire a, accessible from... You, you go inside and open it up, or is it un, hanging underneath the it's body? It's under. It's under, because okay. that, car, that cargo space is all enclosed. It's not in there. But what's cool is so you have a little bit less cargo. It's not like it's a huge amount, but if you look at one that has the donut versus one that has the full size, you can see the difference. Like, you can even see it just looking at it. Mm -hmm. that's, a good, that's a good trade-off to make, though. I think, it is a good trade-off, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, so you're making a trade-off, but you're getting something really cool for that trade-off. The other thing that's kind of neat that you, you don't get in the trail sport, but you do get in, I, I think it's all the other trims. It might just be the Elite, so don't quote me on this. It, it might not be all the trims in the Pilot, but the middle seat in the second row pops out, you can pick it up, and you can lift it up and put it into that cargo space, and there's a yellow strap you put over it and secure it, and it fits right under the floor. So you can, if you don't want to have to use that seat, but you don't want to leave it in your garage, because maybe you will, because suddenly you've got the kids in the car, you've got an extra kid you've got to take home from 
whatever, dance class, all you mm-hmm. have to do is lift it up. And it's super easy. It weighs 30 pounds, so it's not like you have to be the Hulk to pick it up. Yeah, I'm like, hell, and I was like, the uh, Chris at the auto show was showing me how it worked. And I'm like, well, how heavy is he? It's 30 pounds. I'm like, okay, you can move this. So, and it just like pops right into the, that cargo area underneath the floor, and there's like a little strap that keeps it secure because they don't want it like flopping around the car, something happens. But then when you put it back into its spot, it clicks in really easily and there's like a little like pull tab. But what's even neat is like to make sure that you've got it fully in. Like if you almost put it in, you've almost clicked it, but it's not fully secure. There's this little window on the front of it that you can see and it has a little red lot, like a red piece that shows. If it's not really fully secured, it's red. So you know you haven't pushed it down hard enough. Uh, so you get the full click. As soon as it's fully clicked, the red disappears. And it's just like a tiny that's, little... That's good. Yeah, that's good maybe detail. like a one-inch by one-inch little square that's low on the front of it. So just a good detail to make sure that you don't think the seat's in and it's not. Then if you slammed on your brakes, it's going to come free. So there's So there's no way you can mistake it's either in or it's not... Because you can see that little window. I thought it was kind of cool. I've not seen that in another car unless I've missed it. So. Great. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, while you were talking, I pulled up um, on the Honda website the mm-hmm. uh, that uh, diffused sky blue pearl is the color. That's the same one that was on the show diffused. floor. Okay. It's yeah. really pretty. It's, it it's is like, a nice car. A nice it's color. It's this brilliant bright blue. You have to like blue. You yeah. do not like blue. <laughs> color. It is you blue. Better, it is, you it's, better it's like, like blue. It's like in your face. Like where is? Where did I park? Oh, right there. There I am, glowing in the corner. Woo! It's like very bright blue. But I, I liked it. I thought it was a fun color. So you've driven the Telluride before. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which would you choose, the Telluride or the trail, the the Pilot? See, here's the thing. I like both of these cars, and I think driving them. It's a little bit a matter of personal preference. Where I would go with the Telluride is I think the Telluride just has a nicer interior. I think overall, and you're putting a bunch of people in this. This isn't a sports car. This is an SUV. You're going to have two or three rows worth of humans in that car. And I think the Telluride is a little more upscale, and it doesn't even matter whether you're going with the base trim or the top trim, like across the board. The Telluride looks a little nicer, the seats are a little bit comfier, and it feels a little bit fancier. So if you like that that look and feel, I would go with the Kia Telluride. Okay. Um, one one of the, uh, in, in the um, the Discord, uh, Gifted Napper is listening in right now because we're streaming. Um, he asked a question, uh, or had a comment, and says, uh, you know, two people who bought a Highlander, Toyota Highlander, because only because the Telluride still doesn't offer a hybrid or a plug-in hybrid. And I think par- probably the reason for that is because Kia is also working on the EV9 right now, which is going to be debuting soon. Uh, they're going to be showing that at the uh, New York Auto Show in April, yeah. uh, which is a similar-sized vehicle, and it's battery electric. Um, and that's going on sale later this year. Um, has I think you went on the pilot drive program, didn't you? Um, or did you? I didn't. No, I didn't. Sorry, oh, brain okay. cramp. No, I did not do the pilot drive program. Um, so I didn't get it until it was here. And what was funny is I, I know that this pilot I had was on the drive program because it took some of the red dirt from oh. from Arizona back with it. Okay. <laughs> you could see that this had done a little bit of off-roading. It was kind of funny. I'm like, oh, this came right from the program. <laughs> or sometimes uh, they'll have the numbers in the window. Like the key, the the key yeah. I have, it's yeah. I have number I have number fifteen. Right, you have a little number. You're like, and then there was a yeah. somewhere in there. There was like I opened the glove box or something, and it was like media vehicle four drive. I was like, oh, okay, well we okay. don't need this because we've already done the drive. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know, I think for now Honda's only talked about this V6 engine that they've been using 
I think in the pilot from the very beginning, from the first generation pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I would say, you know, they haven't talked about a hybrid in here, even though they're doing hybrids in the Accord and, and the, and the CRV and, and the Civic. Um, and since Honda has the Prologue coming next year, which is also a similar size vehicle, um, and that's an EV, that's probably why they're not doing anything electrified in this for, for the time being, at least. One other question, you know, they, especially with the addition of this Trail Sport model on the Pilot, you know, when they launched the Passport, I don't know what four or five years ago, mm-hmm. part of the rationale for that was you know to make it more off-roady capable, you know, and they did the the drive program for that out in Moab. We went out there. Um, you know, does this? Do you think this means you know with the the addition of the the Pilot Trail Sport? that they might not have a next-generation passport? You know, I. how well did it do? Did it do well? It, it did not sell anywhere near as well as the, anywhere near the numbers of the pilot. Uh, I think, you know, maybe like a quarter of the sales volume of the pilot. You know, I mean, it shares shares the same platform with the pilot. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if, if you've heard anything about whether they might... I haven't heard anything. I don't know. And it's it's I mean, if it doesn't do a lot of volume, I never see them anywhere. I see CRVs everywhere and I see pilots everywhere. But I I literally never see passports. Passports, yeah. I say it's yeah. And Honda's very they'll be they're like, Well, it sells like, you know, tens of thousands of units. They're like, Yeah, compared to these two other vehicles though. That's how we end up yeah, that's how we end up losing the fit because they're like, Well, the fit sells like, you know, Twenty thousand units or thirty thousand units, like yeah, but the CRV sells this many units. A bazillion. Yeah. So. All right. Um. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Cool. So let's see. Uh, well, why don't we stick with um, three-row SUVs um, and uh, jump to Chicago, where there was the Chicago. debut of the, the Toyota Chicago. Grand Highlander. Uh, what, what do you think of the Grand Highlander? It's grand. It's bigger. It's a Highlander. It's a Highlander that's grander. <laughs> what, what, what I found interesting when they when they sent out the uh, the photos on what I guess Wednesday morning, Tuesday, mm-hmm. Tuesday, whenever it was before the reveal, I looked at it. And said, yeah, this this looks nothing like the current Highlander, and I mean to me. It actually looks more like the Rav Four, like a, a bigger version of the Rav Four than it does the Highlander, because the the current Highlander's got you know these kind of curvy, bulbous lines to it, um, you know, very very different from any previous generation Highlander. And now this one is more squared off, boxy, uh, more traditional looking. It's weird how different the two look. Like normally when you go from you know, here's the X and the Grand X. They kind of look the same. Yeah, you can yeah. See, longer. Oh, we've made a little bigger to give it a little cargo room, to give it a third row. This, you're like, wait, what? <laughs> it really does not 
look like the Highlander. Here's a different car. Yeah. yeah. Like, just call it the Grand Highlander, but guys, we didn't design it off that. Just call it the Grand Highlander anyway. Well, it, do, it does actually share its, its platform with the Highlander. Yeah. Uh, although the, the wheelbase is four inches longer, and it's six inches longer overall. So you got a little more rear leg room, uh, more cargo room, like third row leg room is, is improved. Uh, more cargo room. It's also a couple inches taller, so you've got more headroom. Um, you know, they didn't release a whole in the press release. There were very few specific um, details, uh, and they didn't mention the only dimension they mentioned in there was the uh, cargo volume with the second and third row seats folded down, uh, which is 98 cubic feet, uh, which is 14 cubic feet more than the standard Highlander. So it's a pretty substantial difference. You know that that few inches of extra length and height made, makes quite a bit of difference uh, in how much space is available in there. Um, but and I, when I talked to the chief engineer at the show, he told me that yeah, the wheelbase is four inches, an extra four inches, and six inches from bumper to bumper. Uh, the other major change, you know, in addition to the, the sheet metal being all different, the interior, uh, the dashboard, and everything is all completely unique uh, to the Grand Highlander. Uh, so it's not the same interior, although you know it's got got same kind of parts, you know, touchscreens and knobs and everything in the same places. It's just the supporting parts are different, so it looks different, but you know it's functionally the same. Um, and then they added the an option of the Hybrid Max powertrain that we've previously seen on the Crown and the uh, 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 the Lexus RX. Uh, so that's a, a 2.4 liter turbo four cylinder uh, hybrid uh, with all wheel drive, uh, which is I think 362 horsepower uh, compared to uh, about uh, 220 or so with the standard hybrid powertrain. I like the hybrid max. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good powertrain. I think that little extra oomph is nice. Sometimes you can't tell the difference. Like, like, oh, here's the better version of this, or the more powerful yeah. version. You're kind of like, right. yes? <laughs> like, okay, if you say so. I'm like, I don't notice any difference. You can tell the difference between these two. Yeah, no, it, it, you can, yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge difference. Like, in the crown, you can really mm-hmm. tell between the standard hybrid and the hybrid max. I would get the max. Which would yeah. you get? Would you get the hybrid or the hybrid max? You're looking for a hybrid. Which would you get? I would probably go with the max. Uh, because it, because the other the other major difference with the Max is instead of the ECVT transmission, uh, it's got a standard I think it's a six speed automatic mm-hmm. transmission in there. Yeah. Um, and so it feels a lot more natural when you're driving it. It doesn't have it does it never has that motorboating effect where you go to accelerate and it yeah. you know, yeah. revs up to four thousand RPM and stays there until the vehicle speed catches up to it. Uh, so it's it's not not always the most pleasant experience. What about you, Robbie? What would you go with? Uh, Max. I mean, it's in the Max. name. <laughs> if you're gonna get the grand, you gotta get the Max. You gotta get the Max. The Max. I mean, you're you're already upgrading. Super. Yeah, if you're already upgrading to supersize your meal, you might as well get the curly fries. <laughs> <laughs> so the hybrid Max is the curly fries. It's the curly okay. fries. So always the super go for the curly size. fries. Let's go There's... for the curly fries. <laughs> always go for the curly fries. <laughs> yeah, get, Gifted Napper also just commented again in the Discord uh, that the Grand Highlander. You can't get the platinum trim, which is the top trim, with a second row bench seat. Um, so it's not necessarily the most practical for a family of five. One person would always have to be in the third row. But you do have more room in that third row now. So 
Maybe it's I'm not gonna, such a bad thing. If you have a family of five, there's always one kid who's in trouble anyway. Right. So that's the one who goes in the back. That's yeah. the, there's always, like, I'm, I'm from a family of five. There's always one of us that was in trouble <laughs> in the back. And, and do you but really you want like, three kids crammed into the bench seat in the middle? But you do, because you, but you don't, I, I just They're remember trying each to other. get a kid, like, in the back. Like, when, we, when I went with other families and you had, we'd have you know, enough that we needed to use the third row. It was like, oh, gosh, trying to get little kids, little ones, into the third row. It's like you have to be a contortionist to get back there, buckle them in, you know, wrangle, first force them into the seat when they're toddlers, and they're like, ah! Like, it's just, it's hard to, if you had to do that every day, every single day, unless you had at least one kid who was truly like, I am a responsible child, I shall hop in the back and buckle myself in, and I'm old enough to do that. That would not be easy to live with. You just have to make sure the oldest child is the troublemaker, so they're always in the back. They always just get shoved in the back. You're bad. Why? Because I said you are. Sit in the back. Because you know how to buckle your own seatbelt. Hey, what? (laughs) Mistakes were made, child. (laughs) But, you know, if you've got three kids that need to be in in, uh, child restraints, child seats uh, anyway – you probably yeah, don't, wouldn't want a platinum anyway. You'd probably want a lower trim level, yeah, because you know it's going to be getting all messed up and gross. Maybe yeah. I be, don't know. I had I had like gorgeous Maybe. leather seats in one of the SUVs I had when the girls were little because I was like, always in the car. Like you yeah. drive around so um. much. They're in different schools. You go to pick up one and drop off one, and pick up one and then drop off the other, and then one has an appointment here and one has an appointment in there, and what like. You're it, you kind of live in your car a little bit with when you have so you treat yourself. Kids. So you treat yourself. You're like I don't care. You can spill, you know, French fries, your curly fries. You can get your curly fries all over those fancy seats. I'm going to enjoy the two up front that are clean and tidy and neat. They should have a parent trim level where it's just the front seats are like yeah, really nice, seats, yeah. and the back is just like that really easy to Wouldn't clean vinyl. Awesome? You had like Napa leather seats up front and ultra suede and all the fancies like in back. It's a bench seat with vinyl. Yeah. Well, or you can hose it off. It's got a drain hole. That's the plugs in the hole like or, a Wrangler. Yeah, get one of those dog seat covers like I have for, you know, when I take Daisy. Oh, yeah. yeah you have the dog seat cover. Just put put this, you know, drape it over the, the rear headrest. Okay. And, that would work. Know. Yeah. The dog seat cover. That would work. Okay. I mean, the, to, to be honest, not that much difference between a puppy and, and you know, small children. Surprisingly, yeah. there are a lot of similarities. <laughs> you know, the puppy doesn't poop in the car as much. That's all I'm saying. That is true. <laughs> Kids are pooping Whoa. everywhere. <laughs> Kids are pooping everywhere. <laughs> uh, speaking of puppies, let's move on to Subaru. Because uh, Subaru, as always, won the uh, Chicago Auto Show because they had mm-hmm. the puppy corral there. Oh, my uh, God. They were so cute. Did you, did you see the ones on um, Friday that they had on Friday morning? No. Oh, I no, was, you were already gone. I was gone. I saw they, the Thursday morning ones when they first came out, and they were like, they, they were, were so they were, a, they were a Chihuahua boxer mix. Which they were so cute. Oh my god, they were so cute, and they were just. There was one woman who like kneeled down on the floor, and they were like on her, like. Oh my god, they were so cute, and then I walked by later, and they're just all passed out in a giant puppy pile. I'm like, oh, they're still so cute. Friday, because they they rotate them out every day of the show, so they don't. So they don't overwhelm them. Um, And Friday they had uh, a, a, a litter of black labs, and apparently, I guess Paul Eisenstein adopted one. Did he really? Yeah, Paul got so, a puppy? Yeah. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> Subaru also had a car there. Um, they introduced the, the 2024 Crosstrek, which, um, shockingly enough, 
does not look radically different from a 2023 Crosstrek, even though it's all new. Uh, what did you What did you think of the Crosstrek, the new Crosstrek? I think it's it's a nice iteration, like a little bit different. Like you wouldn't know the difference. Like if I put them next to each other, I don't think I could tell huge differences. Could you? Could you eyeball it? No, I, if if you put them right side by side. I probably could because, I mean, you know, there's subtle differences in the grill and things like that. You can at least tell that they're different model years. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, they, if, you, if, you are, if you know how to identify the current generation Crosstrek, you will immediately be able to identify the new one. They still have, it still has the very the same characteristics. Yeah, like sort of a unique same basic vehicle. shape. Yeah, it still, it, it still looks like a Crosstrek, which is going to make Crosstrek people happy. I don't feel like Subaru is one of those brands that needs to do, like, they okay, we got to come up with new and exciting no, and completely no. bold and in your face. It's like no one, we just got to make what we have a little bit better, and they did. No one, no one buys Subarus because they're pretty. No. I had a Bug Eye Subaru. It wasn't a pretty car. I loved. It was my favorite car that like my WRX Bug Eye sport wagon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't buy it because it looked beautiful. I bought it because it was like this is the car I want. It's you know I can do crazy, you know, off roading and on roading with it. No one, no one cares what it looks like. You can put your dogs in it. It's all-wheel drive. It's rugged. It's going to drive for a long time. That's it. That's it. I, I have a neighbor who's had Subarus forever. She's like a Subaru junkie. Like, she's lived there, I think, for 12 years. I think it's the third or fourth Subaru that I've seen between her and her husband. The other day I had, and I was so thrown, I had a Genesis G80 Electrify for a hot minute yesterday. She's like, that's the car I want to replace it with. I'm like... You go from a Subaru to a Genesis G80? What? Wow! I was I was very thrown. I'm like that feels that's, like that's quite the stretch. It's a jump. You got to share that jump. story with Wendy Orfman. I know. I feel like Wendy. I got a neighbor who wants to go from Subaru to Genesis. I was. You know they're going to keep that Subaru though. They're going to get that Genesis, but they're still going to drive the Subaru everywhere. They're just going to pound might, it through well, they like might. they might the mountains the and might stuff. Just sit there, right? The Subaru will be like car number three. They're like, no, we're not giving that up. We love our Subaru. Yeah. You can't get rid of the Subaru. You can't get rid of the Subaru. You're not allowed. One uh, one really nice thing about the 2024 Subaru Crosstrek has the very same starting MSRP as the 2023 at 24.995. That's nice. a good deal. Yeah. The Crosstrek. Yeah, I mean for I mean it's all wheel drive. You know, it's a decent size. Uh, that's 25 grand for that. That is a bargain. It's a good price. So yeah. Subaru's the only automaker who's ever said, "Yeah, take your dogs in the car." Yeah. Because I was I was going on a drive I was going on 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 a drive up north and like I was supposed to, like the, the the fleet manager was like hey do you need a car I'm like oh you know we're taking the dog up to to you know Bennett or whatever I don't know right. something up north uh, Fort Bragg and they're like oh okay and then he got back to me like an hour later he's like hey Subaru would love to give you the outback to take up to. <laughs> I'm like, or not the outback the cross trek and we're like all right we stuck the dog in it and it was great <laughs> yeah. It's good to have Gifted Napper in the uh, listening. I know he's fun. I like uh, him. Uh, betting people who buy Crosstrek probably aren't too concerned about radical advancements in design. My boss has one, and she calls it a Cross Something because she knows nothing about cars. She just the only twenty-four Cross Something. <laughs> you can fill it full of stuff. They love dogs. Yeah, it's all-wheel drive. It's lowish to the ground. It's, what what yeah. more could you ask for? It's a, they're just little tanks. You just drive yeah. them around. They are little tanks. They're just tiny little tanks. Everyone loves them once they have one. Yeah. All right. Um, something that is slightly more tankish, um, the uh, refreshed 2024 Volkswagen Atlas and Atlas Cross Sport. Um, 
I was not clicking on that when you said slightly more tankish. I was going to a totally different item on this list. I'm like, whoops, not that one. <laughs> well, well, we'll get to those. Um, so the the, uh, the cross track, or uh, yeah, the, the um, not the cross sport, cross sport, and the uh, and the and the regular Atlas um, are still fundamentally the same as they were. But you know, as as usual, you know, they've gotten that mid cycle update, which means you know, since it's 2023. Uh, they must have a larger grill, uh, so a little more grill, a uh, little more screen in, in the interior, um, and new powertrain. Um, they've they've finally the last of the VR6 engines is gone from the U.S. market. No more Volkswagen VR6s in in America, um, and uh, the the standard two-liter turbo that they had before is also gone. So now there's just one powertrain option, which is a two. A, Still a two-liter turbo, um, but 269 horsepower, 273 foot-pounds of torque, uh, which should be plenty for this vehicle. Um, still has a 5,000-pound towing capacity. Um, did you get a chance to take a close look at this thing, Nicole? I did not get a chance to take a look at the Volkswagen. I didn't make it over to their um, to their reveal on Thursday night. So, did you get an up close and personal? I yeah, I um, I didn't get over to the event, but I did uh, take a look at it on the show floor on Friday morning. Um, it's uh, it's got a bigger was it twelve uh, inch um, center touchscreen now, and it has a row of touch controls along the bottom of it, just like in a VW ID four. Oh, are, yeah. they, are they backlit? Did you ask if they were backlit? They did appear to be backlit, yeah. Okay, well, there you oh, go. As so long as they're, well, at least there's that. Because if the ID4, they're not backlit, and you're like, oh, I need to turn up the heat or turn down the music, and it's just doing things because you can't see it. You don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, or, I mean, you know, my my big complaint with the ID4 was, you know, if you're trying to brace your hand, you know, as you're driving down the road, bracing your hand along that bottom edge, Oh, while you're touching something, you always end up hitting one of those controls, and suddenly the the mode switches on the screen. You, you go from navigation to media controls. You're like, ah, uh, uh, uh. like what have I done? Yeah, um, but we'll we'll see if it works any better on this one. Um, got six USB C ports, uh, standard, uh, optional eight, 45 watt fast charging, um, at least for your devices, because this is not an EV. Um, what else? Oh, and uh, IQ Drive. Uh, driving assist is uh, standard equipment on here, uh, so this is their hands-free lane centering or not hands-on lane centering system. I mean, let's not get confused here. So similar to <laughs> Nissan ProPilot and you know some of the other systems out there. So it does lane centering and, and adaptive cruise control, um, and uh, that's basically it. The Atlas is just like, oh, this is a good car. It's, it's yeah. not exciting, it, but it's good. You're like, oh, yeah, you need it. Okay, yeah, just get the Atlas. You're fine. You know. Yeah. No, it, <laughs> you'll it, be good. It, you'll be fine. Yeah, it'll it'll work. be fine. It's yeah. fine. Good car. Uh, okay. Uh, let's jump to uh, Jeep. Uh, well, jump to Stellantis. We'll start with Jeep. Um, so Jeep had... Um, they're celebrating the 20th anniversary of the Wrangler Rubicon. Um, and uh, Jim Morrison was very excited about this. Jim is the uh, head of Jeep North America. Um, Nicole, you want to tell us about the Wrangler Rubicon 20th anniversary? 
so I love this expression that they used in the presentation. He talks about how, like, the Wrangler Rubicon was supposed to be for this, like, lunatic fringe, right? And I'm like, the what? I'm sorry now. They call it the lunatic fringe. Have you ever heard this expression before from Jeep? I thought it was brilliant because when you see what people do in a Wrangler Rubicon. I, on one hand, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm a sort of, I, I feel bad for these people. This is, I'm, I'm, I'm upset for them. And then like two seconds later, I'm like, no. Yeah, you're kind of jealous, right? You're <laughs> they like, know who oh, they are. I feel bad they know, for these people. You know what, never mind. Awesome, yeah. right? they're, they're like um, Subaru owners. They know who they are. They know <laughs> they what know. they want. And they're exactly. proud to yeah. do the lunatic fringe. Um, yes. So, so well, there's this big presentation that was fun to watch talking about this, and they basically came up with, you know, when they first did the Rubicon and sort of saying, and then we did a 10th anniversary, and then we made it more Rubicon-ish, and then, okay, now we're going to make it even more Rubicon-ish still, and they have. They added all sorts of off-road stuff, and they've even done, what's the special edition, because I should have it up in front of me. There's they've the, done the, an edition The level within, two with AEV. Yeah, and there's like 150 each of those, well, I think. Well, they're, there's, they're, they're doing 4,000 of the, the standard 20th anniversary editions. Right. That, um, and then there's 150 of these level twos. Which um, are even more. Yeah. More, I was going to say a different phrase, and I can't swear, but they're even more lunatic fringe than the other ones. It's really just like taking cars. Like people who, you know, really go out there, you're going to. I mean, you want a Wrangler Rubicon. That's what you're going to go out there and, and try and do stuff that they say you can't do. And that's basically who this is targeting, the people who just want to sort of like, I love my Wrangler. I love my Rubicon. I want to go out there and do crazy stuff that I shouldn't be able to do, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm going to push it and see, like, I think it's neat that this lets people say, like, okay, how far, how far can you take it? Like, we say you can climb up X, well, you're going to climb up X squared. Go for it. And they pull it off, and they do it. And then Jeep sort of looks at it and says, well, we, got, we actually should probably make it so X squared is part of it. Okay, let's do that. Then they, ta- they just keep pushing Jeep to do more. And I feel like the Rubicon 20th anniversaries are like the, yes, you have pushed us to do a little bit more. Um, so they're everything you love about the Rubicon times 10. How's that? Yeah. No, I mean it's on 37-inch uh, tires and wheels with beadlock capable uh, wheels, and um, what I think a, a one and a half inch additional lift on the AEV version, mm-hmm. the, the level two version. Um, so yeah. Oh, and one of the things that they put on all of the 20th anniversary models uh, is uh, an off-road front camera, um, which is set up similar because you have the same thing available on the Bronco. Um, where typically the exterior cameras, uh, the front and rear cameras that they have on there, they're required to shut off, you know, by, by regulation, they're, they're required to shut off when the car gets to about five miles an hour. Um, so when you're backing up, you know, if you back up more, well, when you back up, um, they stay on. But if you're going forwards, if you, there's, there's a forward camera, it can't be on above five miles an hour because they don't want you getting distracted. The one exception to this is if you're in an off-road mode. Like if you're in four-wheel drive low, you can turn on this camera um, and you can see what's in front of you, which when you are off-roading, which is prob- probably the only place where you should be using four low. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, unless, you know, unless you like driving along, you know, at 10 miles an hour, sometimes, 5,000 RPM, you know. Yeah, sometimes right. you don't want to back out of the Target parking lot and it has the little cement stopper. You can just you drive can right over it. it. Yeah. I get it right. At least you, you, can, you can now see exactly where that cement barrier yeah. is. 
Yeah, when you're off-roading, especially if you've you know done something foolish like going out to a, an off-road area um, by yourself without a spotter, mm-hmm. um, you know, then you know when you're coming over these some of these hills, you want to see what's on the other side of that hill. Do I really want to go over that hill? <laughs> yeah, um, you know, which having, you should always know. Never go over the hill unless you know what's on the other side. Exactly. Always look first. Always you look first. Stopping before you go up the hill, trudging up the hill, looking, and then trudging back down to your car. Yeah. Make, do make not sh- just go over the hill. Bad things happen if you do that. That's right. There could be mud pits down there that will swallow up your car. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> that sounds like your personal experience. Yeah, this is with some yeah. conviction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you know that a mud pit can swallow a Bronco Raptor if you're not careful? No. Oh, mud pits yeah, swallow really? everything. Are you well, sure? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah sure? I, I, I am absolutely positive of that. <laughs> I, I, I have definitely firsthand experience of that. Uh, so. Uh, um, yeah, and the, uh, that level two also comes with a winch and all kinds of other good stuff. Um, these things are, um, <clears throat> let's say, not inexpensive. Um, they're pricey. Yeah, well, they're just putting all these stuff on it. It's, yeah, so the the it's uh, like you're getting the curly fries, but then you're putting gravy on it, and your your hamburgers the now curds. deep. Don't forget the cheese the curds. Cheese curds. You're getting cheese curds. You're getting and your hamburger has yeah. been like beer battered and fried, and your soda is like the size of a like a. Like a like a Fiat 500, <laughs> <laughs> sort of the size of a Fiat. Why can't I find the pricing in here? I just remember that it was frightening. It's, it's uh, for the four by E. So if you want the 20th oh, anniversary four by E, it's yeah. about seventy thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. If you want, Whew. so there's only two two engine options available: the four by E or the 392 V8. The 392 is, awesome. is ninety one thousand dollars, and then that level two package yeah. adds another twenty thousand on top of the other ones. So you're looking at a Jeep Wrangler that is over a hundred grand. A hundred and one hundred and eleven grand. A hundred and eleven grand. And you know what? The reality is, they're going to sell. Every they're going to sell them all. They're probably already. Sold. They're probably gone. Yeah. No, and people are like, in line, can I get more? Yeah. Yeah. No, these are sold. These these are. Yeah. So it's like, because it's, it's such an enthusiast brand. It's such an enthusiast brand. People that love Jeep. Love, Love Jeep, Jeep. Yeah. and it's nice because of, like the last the, the current generation of Jeeps are good. Whereas they the before they were like, we love Jeep, and I'm like, oh. Little rough around the edge. Uh, now you're like, oh, okay. You love Jeep and you love yeah. Wrangler. I get it now. Now you except for the hardcore, the hardcore, like the previous generations, like hardcore Jeep people, where they just rip everything off and rebuild it. I'm like, yeah, just do whatever you want. Yeah, like my neighbor. It's my neighbor yeah. on the street's got a, a '97 TJ. That, yeah, he's fine. Yeah, he's basically rebuilt the entire. Like the thing. only thing that, yeah. lets, that really is Jeep is the seven slot grill. Everything yeah, else, everything. none of the rest of this is actually a Jeep anymore. It's other random parts. But yeah. see the grill. It was a Jeep when I started. <laughs> yeah, well, my my neighbor, you know, he's been um, replacing the fenders on his uh, his '97, um, w- replacing the steel fenders with aluminum ones. Oh, the, the steel is too heavy. So he's oh, been he fabricating right aluminum ones that look just like they. Wait, original. he's making his own. He's oh yeah, fabricating he's got, he's got a fenders? he's got a really cool shop in his garage. He, wow. he fabricates all kinds. Ah. of things. He, he's okay. a uh, semi-retired uh, Ford manufacturing engineer. Oh, so he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he yeah he's got welding gear. And it's not like me. Yeah. I'm in the backyard. Things are always a quarter inch too small. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> With a hammer trying to make it fit. <laughs> Mallets solve so many problems. They do. 
All right. So um, we uh, Nicole and I had a chance to sit down in a wagoneer with uh, with Jim Morrison mm-hmm. um, to just like the last time in a wagoneer. I know, Jim right? That's only I guess to, you need uh, a wagoneer to talk to Jim now. Yeah, to uh, <laughs> to have a chat, um, and I will drop that in here. Joe, yeah. Uh, 20th anniversary of Wrangler Rubicon. Um, and uh, I, I'm curious, you know, Rubicon has done so well for Wrangler. Um, you've got Trailhawk versions of a lot of other Jeep uh, models, but do you see Rubicon as something that might expand to other Jeeps, or is that something that's purely it's a Wrangler? purely Wrangler? You know, I think um, you know we've we've had that debate over the years, but you know, it is such a connection to the Jeep uh, community and the Rubicon Trail that. We're leaving that completely Wrangler territory. Okay. Um, the, so the, um, the the 20th anniversary edition, um, you've got you've taken the Rubicon and made it even more Rubicon. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, so give us some of the highlights. Well, I love what you said because I think what I really love about Rubicon is it defines 4 by 4 capability. And you even used it. Right yeah. that yeah. way, and that's you know America does, and that's really evolved over the last twenty years. And what I love about the story is it came naturally from our Jeep engineers who knew that that's what our customers wanted, right? So we made it, and our customers are such a valuable part of what we are at Jeep. They drove us to making a more capable um, Wrangler, which is, which is great. So we call it the Rubicon in um, in sort of. Um, homage to the, the hardest trail that we have in America. It's absolutely incredulous. It's it's a hard trail, and and um, you know, and when you look at the original, you think, man, how do you even get through that? You know, with with that original Rubicon, and then you look at the 10th anniversary and think, okay, that's amazing how much more capable that one is in 10 years. That is actually my son's Brett too. The, the oh one really? It's actually yeah, we bought his, his 10th anniversary. Did you really? You bought his? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was there. So, so normally um, it's kids borrowing their parents' car, but this time yes, you borrowed your kids' car. I did. Okay. Yes. Um, which was kind of fun. And then, um, and then the 20th anniversary needed to be even more capable than the 10th, right? Which is which is amazing. You know, we just keep pushing the limits. You know, more ground clearance, more tire size, you know, more capability, more approach, more departure. You know, better steel bumpers. Um, all of that stuff we built into the 20th anniversary uh, in a way now that really only we can because we've got both electric and gas. So we've got, you know, the, the epitome of the gas world with our, with our 392 V8, you know, 470 horsepower, 470 pound-feet of torque. And then we've got that same level of torque with our all-electric range or with our all um, with our electric 4xE with, you know, we can still get 20 miles of range with that thing even with 37-inch um, tires, it's incredible, you know what what uh, that technology has done for us. So we both have different personalities, but most importantly, it's what a scope of, uh, of vehicles that we have here in the 20th. So I loved that when you did a presentation here, you referred to people as the lunatic fringe. Yeah. <laughs> yes. For the people who are the ones who did the most Rubicon-ish things in their Rubicon. Is that who you think is going to pretty much go for this 20th anniversary? Is it going to be the lunatic fringe who's going to get these? Well, what's interesting is that lunatic fringe is actually a lot more expanded. They're not really a fringe anymore. <laughs> you know. And if I look at how the Rubicon has expanded over the years... Um, and even, you know, my last 
you know, 15 years here at Jeep, watching, you know, that that group of people that are just drawn to freedom and adventure, that's growing so dramatically. And it's everything from, you know, the people that like driving on grass to, you know, uh, to people that are doing the Rubicon Trail. Both is, is off-roading for a lot of people. But it's the people that are, you know, trying to get to that amazing space so they can see the best sunset. Or it's the people that are just going out wheeling for the sake of, you know, challenging themselves and their their Wrangler that they've built up, you know, in their garage, you know, to make it the most capable. So it's everything in between, but it's it's incredible what the community keeps pushing. All it's all capability based. You keep making a better Wrangler, keep making a better Wrangler. So it's so. still lunatics, they're just not a fringe anymore. Exactly. It's, it's actually <laughs> the lunatic more norm, you know, which is uh, which is great because you know everybody keeps you know saying. You know, and if you if you watch TV, you'll watch other people, you know, trying to be freedom and adventure. But you know, the the nice thing about our brand is when you really are the ones that started it and are have been consistent with it for 82 years. That's still what people look to in the end. Mm-hmm. It, it was interesting. I was talking earlier with a couple of people about the growth over the last few years um, in the crossover market of these more rugged, off-roady type variants of you know, mainstream crossovers. Uh, you know, you've got the, the Kia Telluride's got this uh, SX all-wheel drive. And, you know, everybody's got their own variations on this. And, you know, of course, Jeep has all, you know, has long had the, the Trailhawk variants. But really, Jeep is, you know, whether it's the Rubicon or the Trailhawk, they're the only ones that are really capable of doing this off-road stuff. You know, the others, you know, they can go down some, yeah, some gnarly dirt roads, but that's about it. Yeah, but I think one of the things that even, you know, Grand Cherokee, and I'm looking over at a Compass, they are always the most capable in their class. You're, you're right. They, they, you know, we don't, you don't find a lot of, of uh, you know, Compasses on the Rubicon Trail. And, you know, even out of Moab, the, the, the uh, Grand Cherokees that you see, you know, on the trails, they're, they're modded, you know, 10-year-old Grand Cherokees. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's important is capability still drives the best four-wheel drive system in Compass versus the competition, Grand Cherokee versus the competition, and there are different levels of what's important to 4x4 capability, and for, for Grand Cherokee specifically, snow capability is really important to that Jeep, right? It's why it continually wins, it, you know, awards yes. out in, uh, in New England. Um, yeah, it's a perennial favorite for the New England Motor Press. It's always getting awards because it's it's perfect in the snow. It's great. When you get two feet of snow, yeah. you want a Jeep. Yeah. It's that right? snow berm at the end of your driveway that you're like, I can drive through the snow on the road, but what has the plow just done and your Jeep can get through it? Yeah, exactly. You don't have to plow. You just, just, plow. just, you just press this button, <laughs> cracks it up to uh, we're going to go up to off-road mode, put it in the snow, and you go. <laughs> Um, so that, you know, so capability means different things to different people. Uh, but you're right, the the, uh, the hardcore lunatic fringe people will will pretty much stay focused on Wrangler. And of course, you know, even even for the, those most hardcore of lunatic fringe, you know, it, I think you know the way you described it um, when that original group created that first Rubicon 20 years ago. Uh, I'm assuming they mostly took parts out of the Mopar catalog. And, and maybe some other third-party stuff and put it on there. Um, and today, you still have things in the Mopar catalog to make even a Rubicon more extreme. Yes, yeah, and and you saw it a little bit here today with, you know, the the AV level two, 
you know that they're doing and, and really taking it up to the next level again with with 37 inches of uh, of water fording you know the ko2 37s um you know incredible i mean 50 degrees approach angle i mean you can just drive up to a wall and go up <laughs> go it up. you know um and uh, and it's incredible what those guys are doing with the uh, the wrangler as well it's kind of in the same you know line of thinking as the uh, the original lunatic lunatic fringe folks uh, i think um i think you said there's going to be what four thousand of the 20th anniversary edition yep is it two thousand of each of the four by eight or, or we did, i didn't say order yeah i, I wanted to give the i didn't i was cagey yeah well i want to let our uh, customers decide <laughs> okay fair. if they want to do uh, if they want to do you know uh, 3,099 uh, 392s or 3,099 4x8s, we can do that. You know, um, it's kind of hard to be doing just one of something, but, you know, anyway, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll see. But that's the nice thing is we're giving our customers choice. I, I think you'll have more than one. They can decide. They can decide. Which yeah. one do you want? You know, a 392 or 4x8? Um, what's interesting is I've been driving that 4x8 around for about a year. Um, with that suspension technology, and actually had it out of Moab last year. Oh, did you? So I was hiding it in plain sight. It was, it was uh, again with the cage. Like was, you don't even know was, what he's doing. It was fun, um, and I can say it's it's amazing. It's yeah. so capable. Um, you know, I, I they always the guys always put a winch on my Wrangler because can't get the Jeep guy stuck, right? So that would be yeah. bad. It would be bad for him to have you stuck. Uh, apparently, it's, apparently it's really bad for social media. Want, yeah. Really want a winch on something like that? I had um, a Bronco Raptor last fall. I took it out to the Mounds RV park and got it thoroughly stuck in a mud pit. And it was a couple with an older XJ Cherokee with yeah. a winch that got me out of there. Okay. Oh, yeah. I realized that thing would still be sitting there. Yeah. Well, I, I can tell you, I, I won't say exactly what, what, anyway, I won't even say what, 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 I, no, I can't. Anyway, my winch is okay, I'm going to bust this yeah. with a handler yeah. making Do sure other, Jim is not out of line. She's like, no. I've got, got a great story. I've got a great story for you. humanitarian on the off-road trail. Uh, is that a good way to... I have. I've helped a lot of folks on the... Uh, on the trail, and I and I love doing that. But, but never having to help a Jeep, just other brands that aren't as good as yours, right? Well, you know. Uh, it's, it's usually, yeah, so, anyway, it's fun because you, you know. Anyway, <laughs> I um, my 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 winch has been helpful, but I haven't got that Jeep stuck. All right. That's good. Can I say that in a way? Yeah, that Jeep like... that I have on my winch has been very helpful. Yes. But I have never got that Jeep stuck. Okay, that sounds fair. That Jeep. But that's yeah. only telling him about one Jeep. See, when yeah. we hit the not record button, we'll find out what he's really gotten stuck. Oh, I, I, I often get Jeep stuck. I mean, I always they say there's no way, and, and sometimes they're right. There's limits to everything. Uh, yeah. Everything sometimes they're right, and sometimes they're like, holy crap, you did that. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, that same day that it was using the winch, Someone said, I can't go up that because no production vehicle has ever gotten up that. It took me three or four attempts, but I got up it. So it was like challenge accepted. I will oh, accept yeah, that before exactly. I leave here. Yeah, okay. yeah. So it was, I got a good video of that too. But. What, one, anyway. of the, one of the interesting details that you mentioned on the 20th anniversary model is the front off-road camera. Yes. Uh, so is that set up so that, because typically, you know, the exterior cameras are designed, um, you know, for, for regulatory reasons, you know, they have to turn off at like three miles an hour or something like that. Um, is that one that can stay on for at higher speeds so that, um, you know, if you're going through a trail where you've got limited visibility, you can see what's in front of you? No, just low range. Okay. Um, Only in, yeah, low, you can run at low range, low speed, uh, it'll stay on. Uh, up to you can run the, um, 20 miles an hour, I think. Okay, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, if you're low yep. range on a trail, I mean, that's 20 miles an hour. 
that's what I meant as far yeah. as speed. Yeah. Yeah, which is good because it actually has tire tracks and you can point the tire tracks oh, okay. where the Jeep will go in the future, which is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you're good. going over a hump like up there yeah. in Jeep. It's it's really uh, nice to have. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a great feature, especially you know, if you might be out somewhere and maybe don't have a spotter. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's good to have. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, what about uh, what about the rest of the Jeep lineup? Um, yeah, uh, you know, Wagoneer's doing doing really well. Wagoneer family is doing well. Um, what about Cherokee? Um, you know, I think uh, production on that has kind of stopped. Is there going to be a, a new Cherokee at some point? There will. Okay. Yeah, um, it's a big segment for us here in America, and you know. Right now, we're covering off that segment with both the Cherokee, the Grand Cherokee, and the Compass. The Compass just got a new um, two-liter turbo, and it's got the 10-inch radio, lots of tech, a great new interior. So, you know, we're able to cover off that uh, segment, you know, with with both those vehicles kind of on the fringes of it. But we're not going to um, abandon that segment. We're going to continue to invest in it, and we'll be back soon with a really good new one. Okay. And then uh, still on track to start launching some devs. 2024? Yes. Yeah, you'll be able to uh, order our um, Wagoneer S. Still without a name, awkwardly. Um, <laughs> we'll have a name by the time you start. <laughs> Is that on your to-do list? Well, the Wagoneer? Yeah. <laughs> well it's, it's funny because they, the, the group decided to uh, do a naming test because someone had told them that, you know, a few years ago we ran a test um, and we came up with the altitude name. Um, for that. Yeah. And um, anyway, we went out to the community and said, what should we call this blacked out uh, variant of Grand Cherokee at the time? And we got Altitude back to the name. But it's actually slowed down the process because we got so many names as as ideas. It's, you got to go through each one of them. All of them now. And, uh, and yeah, so. Maybe anyway, hard. It is hard. I mean, it's you a know, sport if, you know, if you're not careful, you might come up with something like a Fila. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then at, right after that, we have the uh, the recon. So we'll be able to uh, put your orders in for both the uh, Wagoner S and the recon this year, and both will be available here next year for... I'm not going to uh, lie. I'm excited about the recon. Recon's yeah. good. I'm excited about Doors that. off, top off. Yeah, yeah. That's down the Rubicon fun. Trail. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, can't wait to try that. Yeah. That's going to be fun. I would take that adventure. Yeah. <laughs> be a good adventure. That's You got anything else? No, I'm done. All that's right. it. Good. Jim, All right. any, any last... Thoughts about Jeep that you want to share? No, it's just good to see you guys. Yeah, good to see you too. Less fun without a cookie. Yeah. I know. I t- you know why? I if the auto show and there's no crumble next time, I'll get you cookies. I promise, Jim. Yeah. We'll, well get cookies. I yeah. promise. I think it's your turn because last time I got the cookies. You did. You wouldn't let me buy it. Okay, fine. Now the gauntlet's nah, thrown. I will be time. buying cookies yeah. and bringing you cookies next program. And Patty wants to see pictures of your kitchen. Okay. Pictures of the kitchen for Patty. Cookies for Jim. Jack. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you. Did you know you can support Wheelbearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. Okay, and we're back. Um, And there was more news from Stellantis at the auto show uh, from Ram. Uh, Mike Koval, who's the head of Ram, um, or CEO of Ram, I guess, uh, he uh, 
he announced they they had the Ram 1500 Revolution, which they unveiled last month at CES. Uh, they had it on display in Chicago, um, and he announced that today, as we're recording today, um, is uh, the the day of the Super Bowl, uh, and of course, you know, Stellantis will have a bunch of ads, um, and including one from uh, for Ram, which will publicly reveal the Ram 1500 Rev, which is the official name of the electric version of the Ram 1500 that is coming uh, in Q4 of next year. So it's still good wow. more than 18 months away. Uh, yeah, that's a ways off. Yeah. Um, and this morning, as we record, they actually released a bunch of photos of it. Um, and have the two of you had a chance to take a look at the photos or watch the ad? Yeah, I've looked, I've, I haven't seen the ad. I've looked at the photos, and I think... Yeah, I know that people have thoughts about the you know the the concept versus what this is, but I think they're smart doing the same thing that Ford did, which is just like let's just make sure that everything that people bought for their Rams works with their Ram Rev. Yeah, they're- yeah, you can, and you need to do it because when you think people, if you want people to step up and go with this, you don't want people to think all that if they're a Ram loyalist. Well, everything I have that's my Ram stuff no longer works with my Ram. You yeah. know. Yeah. It, it, I think the unfortunate thing is they showed some really cool ideas on the concept, uh, like having the mid-gate on there, like GM is doing on their electric trucks, um, and having the pass-through from the cab into the front trunk. Uh, so you can put in objects that are up to 18 feet long with the bed closed. Um, that's not going to be there. There's no mid-gate. Um, yeah. This thing, you know, aside from the, the front clip, um, the rest of it looks just like a current Ram 1500. Uh, including the same uh, RAM boxes, which are great, but you know, again, the concept had much larger RAM boxes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a lot of the the coolest features seem to be missing from the production version. But as you said, Robbie, you know, all the accessories and stuff that people use on current RAM 1500s will should just drop right in and fit on this thing. Um, so the I think the they are still saying you know that it's going to have over 400 miles of range. Uh, which is going to be a significant advantage over the Lightning. Um, and even though what's it, the range on the Lightning? I can't remember. The maximum is about 320. Well, that's a big mm. difference. Yeah. Um, so you know there will presumably be a significantly larger battery in in the uh, uh, in the RAM. Um, but if you like the look of the current RAM, which I do, you know, and just put those the tuning fork lighting signature on the front of it. Um, that's basically the Ram 1500 Rev. <laughs> I like that the front is more like aerodynamic. I'm so yeah. sick of I'm so sick of like this big flat fronts. A you can't see anything because of them because they cut down on visibility because you're, you're you're giving people a square as opposed to a nice slope. And they're also just they're giant like this aerodynamic. It's a box. You're driving. You just give us the Honda yeah. element if that's you're what really, you want. Actually, <laughs> You're really right. It really is very curved in the front, like as it comes down over the the Ram badge and towards the front fender. And I actually I didn't really pick it up until you said it, but that is significantly more curved it's and softer yeah. than what you have in most pickup trucks. It makes it it's nice. 
I don't, I don't know. Did they need to make? Was it that they're like everyone was really angry? We're going to make it look like it's like coming straight for well, you. The, just this big. It was the raptor. The off. raptor started it all with the giant. Blah, it was a bill, essentially a billboard <laughs> for a car. Smack coming just, right for you. Yeah, just coming at you, and so everyone's like, "Well, we, now we all have to do this." It's you know, everyone just follows like one thing comes out that looks cool, or. People, the, you know, the people who like it like, think it looks cool, and so then everyone follows up. And Toyota today was the last one to like, let's put it in the tundra. And now Ram's like, ha ha, changed <laughs> it up. <laughs> I'm hey, sure this- Ram. Hopefully, everybody follows suit and gets a little kinder, softer. Yeah, so I bet this yeah, Ram. No, and, and that you know, that's the part that's closest to the concept is that front end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think, like I said, I think the thing that people are going to be disappointed by is that. A lot of those really cool features that uh, that we didn't that that we saw on the concept are not going to be on this production version. Yeah. Well, they got two years. Yeah. So maybe they'll add a few. No, they they won't. I mean, but yeah, that's too big of a change. I think once they if this sells really well, then they're probably going to be like, okay, well maybe we can do those other things. That'd yeah. Be nice. Hopefully. All right. Uh, one last one before we get into a couple of uh, listener questions. Is uh, Honda Evolve or Honda Hyundai Evolve Plus, uh, which uh, was announced at the show, uh, and this is a new EV subscription plan from Hyundai, which is kind of cool. Um, you, they, there's a new app that you can download. You can, if you go into the iOS App Store or the Google Play Store, you can look for Hyundai Evolve Plus, and you can download the app, and you can go in there and browse uh, to all of the uh, Hyundai Kona EVs and Ionic 5s for now uh, that are available within you know within whatever radius you select of your location. Um, right now, the closest ones to me because they're just starting this program and works with dealers are in New Jersey and Massachusetts. Oh, that's um, close to me. That never happens. Yeah. Yay! Uh, <laughs> and uh, and so what it is is uh, a monthly subscription plan. You um, for the starting price for the Ion, or for the Kona EV is um, five uh, $5.99 a month and seven ninety nine a month for the uh, Ionic Five, and that gets you the vehicle, that gets you insurance, um, maintenance, and uh, uh, roadside assistance if needed. Uh, and to do it, you just go through the app, you look at browse of what's available. If you see something you like. You click on it, you create an account, um, scan your uh, driver's license, and they do a quick uh, soft credit check and uh, and uh, background check to make sure you've got a relatively clean uh, driving record. And after a minute or two, after, if you uh, pass those, then it uh, lets you put in credit card information and schedule a pickup time for the car from your local dealer. Um, and that's, that's it. <laughs> then you just Pay for it month to month. Um, you can turn it in at the end of any month. Um, so if you're interested in seeing what it's like to live with an EV for a while or you maybe just need a vehicle temporarily, uh, you know, you, if, uh, you know, if your vehicle got totaled or stolen or something and you're waiting a while to get something new and you want to try out an EV or uh, one example they gave in the presentation was, you know, if you got kids coming home from college for the summer and they need a car for three or four months, oh. 
Um, or you want them to drive your trashy old car, and you get to drive yeah, the Honda. Right. Yeah, the Honda. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, is the, yeah, that is the way it would actually. I'm not work. giving my daughter this. You get the crappy car, kid. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I mean, it seems like a, a really interesting program. Uh, I'll be curious to see how it works out. Um, yeah, it's they're doing it in conjunction with the dealers, um, and um, they'll. Um, you know, so you pick up the car from the dealer, but, you know, they say, you know, you can be in and out in 15 minutes. Um, you know, you do everything up front in the app, um, and then you just go pick up the car and be on your way. And then you can turn it in at the end of any 28-day period. And it just keeps, uh, unless you cancel, it just keeps rolling over. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, and then at any time, if you decide you want to buy or lease the car, you can do that. You can keep the car. If you want to change, uh, if you want to go from a Kona to an Ionic, at the end of a month, or you know, when the Ionic 6 comes out in a few months, uh, you can switch to that, or the uh, the Ionic 7, or you know, as, as they add other vehicles, you can switch to the other ones um, at any month, and you know, you just start paying the new the whatever the price is for the new model, and you're good to go. And then turn anytime you're done, you can just turn it back in, drop it off at the dealer, and you're you're good. I guess if you just needed a car for a little while, but the thing is, if you just need a car for a little while and you don't already have because it rolls in like insurance and other stuff, which sounds like a great deal, but that would not be such a great deal like if your car's in the shop, right? Because you're already paying for insurance and all that kind of good stuff on your own car, so now you're just paying a lot. Yeah, I mean, if, if that was the case, if your car was in the shop, you know, then what you probably want to do is just get a, a standard rental car. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, for example, if your car's been totaled, for example, yeah. or it's been stolen, and you might be waiting <clears throat> some period of time, some indeterminate period of time to get a payout and or you know, or you want to order something new, uh, you know, this gives you, you know, something you can get in the interim or, you know, on a longer term basis. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not that dissimilar to, you know, the Care by Volvo program. Um they've been Hyundai's been piloting it for the last twelve months, uh, with eight dealers in six different states. And, you know, because it they do it through the dealers rather than doing trying to do it directly to consumers. Um, you know, the, the dealers seem to be happier about it. Uh, and they're, you know, they're expecting, you know, that most dealers will join the program, uh, by the end of the year. I, I did have a chance mm. to, to talk with, uh, Kristen Gomez from Hyundai, uh, about it and get a little more detail on it. And I will drop that in right here. Uh, Kristen, um, First of all, uh, what's your title, your role at Hyundai America? Yeah, great. And first, thank you for interviewing me today. Um, I'm Kristen Gomez, Senior Group Manager, Regulatory Strategy and Eco-Mobility. And one of the big announcements today here in Chicago was the national launch of Evolve Plus. Um, what, What exactly is Evolve Plus for those that haven't heard about it? Yeah, great question. Evolve Plus is um, an EV subscription program, and it's designed to provide flexible, easy access to EVs on the customer's terms. It's a monthly, uh, for a monthly price, they get a bundled, um, you know, insurance, roadside assistance, and maintenance on that vehicle, including a thousand miles uh, for that twenty-eight day term. Okay, and um, you know, there there have been other automakers that have tried various kinds of subscriptions. Uh, Volvo, most notably, with its Care by Volvo. But for that one, you've got to sign up for a minimum. 12 months. This, it's 
you can go one month at a time from right from day one. Is that correct? Right, correct. You can get in the vehicle. You can renew it if you like it, if it's working for you, um, or you could stop it. It's really flexible and up to the customer, and we think that kind of flexibility um, opens up kind of the access to EVs uh, that, that I know we talked about during our announcement today, which is um, it, it doesn't lock you in for a very long term on a technology that you're maybe just getting used to. And um, what uh, explain kind of the, do a quick walkthrough of what is the process? Yeah, because from the description, it sounds incredibly easy. <laughs> it almost sounds too easy. So get, get, walk us through what's, what's the process for uh, for getting into this program. Sure. The first thing is to download the app, a Hyundai Little Plus, on Google Play or Apple's App Store. Um, and then you can look in the app um, before signing up um, or applying. Um, you can search inventory um, at, for the dealer nearest you. And... And then if you're interested, you can start, you can sign up, create a profile, and then you go through the application process. Um, the app itself will check um, your driving history, um, your, your credit check, and it quickly lets you know whether you, you qualify for the program. Um, and then you reserve your vehicle at a time, and you go in to your dealer at that designated time or the time that you've chosen, and you pick it up, and you're out within 15 minutes. So what... Um what is what would what would be the cost? Uh, what would be, you know for a typical cost for this? You know, say for an Ionic Five, uh, or maybe an Ionic Six. I don't know if you announced Ionic Six pricing, but let's say Ionic Five. What what kind of co- is there is there a deposit that you have to put down as yeah. a customer? Um, you know, down payment. What, how does that work? Yeah, great question. So in terms of pricing, and I'll invite Dan in here. Um, but there is an activation fee uh, of about three hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would just note that if you renew, then it's, you're not paying it every single time you renew. The only time you have to pay it again is if you get out of the program for ninety days or more, and then you come back in. Then then you're treated as a new customer okay. again. Otherwise, that three hundred is going to carry you for as long as you want that vehicle. Um, and then in terms of pricing, we've got two vehicles in, two EVs, our Kona EV and our Ionic 5. Um, and the uh, starting price on those on the Kona EV is 699 and 899 But I welcome any other comments from you. Uh, you you've said everything uh, spot on. It's, and the only thing I would add is because it's a dealer-centric model, we're suggesting those rates. Mm-hmm. The dealers should charge according to their, their market and okay. their market needs. So those are the suggested starting rates. We've seen some dealers throughout the pilot charge different rates, mm-hmm. um, and then charge some of their success and their utilization. So. And the reason, the reason I asked, part of the reason I asked the question about the pricing um, and you know whether it's fixed, you know, because when you've got the dealers involved, obviously they're going to have some influence here, uh, but. I know, you know, from the feedback that we get from listeners to wheel bearings, um, one of the big complaints, a lot of people are going out looking for Ionic 5, looking for Kona EVs, and they're finding huge markups. You cannot find one for sticker price. Um, And uh, how much flexibility do the dealers have in adjusting those prices? So the the app itself is flexible from the dealer standpoint. We strongly have uh, recommended recommended pricing um, to be that that makes sense for both the dealer and the customer. Um, it's the dealer's discretion, but what we have found is the dealers tend to, at least in the pilot phase, have tended to uh, toward those those recommended prices. And um, are the 
as, as you look through the list of available vehicles in the app, you know, is the price for each one posted in there so that, you, yeah. know, you can decide right up front, okay, yeah, I'm willing to pay, was it 699 for the Kona and 899 for the Ionic 5? Yes. Um, yeah. Okay, and, and if a dealer has some adjusted price from that, would that be included in there or? Um, so the price that you see is the price that you're getting. Okay. There's right. no markup that happens after this. Okay. Um, and obviously, um, you know, insurance costs from state to state vary. Um, would that also uh, vary in the app, you know, as you roll this out nationally? Uh, you know, I know Michigan, for example, has significantly higher insurance premiums than a lot of other states. Um, you know, would there be differences in prices from state to state? Initially, no. Um, we've factored in averages. Mm-hmm. And hence, that's one reason why the dealers are, are charging our suggested rates mm-hmm. to factor in those variances. Okay. Even within markets, territories within a metro market or a more rural market would differ within the same state, right? But uh, for the time being, we're fixing it. Okay. In the future, you know, we're building in that flexibility to charge more based upon the driver mm-hmm. so that that dynamic can adjust the pricing. Okay. So, for your older, more established driver, there might be a lower premium than the younger driver coming into the program. Okay. Just like we would, as individuals, be charged yeah. by our own insurance company. Okay. All right. Um, and that, that price that you see, that includes service, maintenance, insurance, um, but obviously not charging, though, right? No. Yeah. Um, so, one of the... Oh, I guess the, the next question, first of all, with, with Evolve Plus um, is, you know, right now you've got two models. Uh, soon, presumably, the Ionic 6 will also be part of that as the, that becomes available. Or Any of these that are coming online yeah. are always potential to okay. enter the program. So um, as, as the, the lineup of, of products um, increase and improves, um, is there, can a customer, you know, from month to month, you know, if they start off with a Kona and decide, hey, I want something a little bit bigger, I want to go for the Ionic 5, or I want to switch to Ionic 6, or maybe at some point a, a 7, um, can they make that switch, you know, and just pay the new, you know, at the end of the month, pay the new price for that, whatever the price is for that different vehicle? Yeah, it's, it's completely um, renewable every 28 days. Mm-hmm. So the customer can switch to the next vehicle that's available, okay. uh, or the next vehicle of choice, mm-hmm. um, every 28 days. Um, yeah. Start with the Kona for 20 days, move to the Ionic 5 for the next 28-day period, or, or take longer, and then if another were to be made available in the program, switch to that. So every 28 days, you're going to be able to try a new Hyundai product. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. And that's just, that's just something that they'll work through with their, their, with their dealer. dealer. Okay. Um, so one of the, the challenges, um, especially with people that are new to EVs, uh, you know, and I think one of the goals probably for, for Hyundai is to, to attract people that haven't been in an EV before, give them that initial taste, and you know once once they get used to that, it's like oh yeah, I really like driving an EV. This works for me. Uh, is education, especially around charging, um, you know and. You know, one of the big challenges with EVs is the variability around charging. Uh, you know, depending on temperature, depending on what your initial state of charge is, all all these other things. Um, are, is Hyundai working with its dealers to help them better understand the vagaries of EV charging, so that they can educate their customers? So the customers, 
um, at least drive away um, under, having a better understanding of what to expect so they don't get surprised when they go charge, you know, if it's, you know, five degrees in Michigan, you know, and they're, you know, and their EV, EV, or their Ionic 5, you know, is not charging at 240 kilowatts, you know, so they understand why. Uh, is that is that part of what um, Hyundai is doing with its dealers uh, as, as part of the expansion of EV availability? So it's a great question. The first thing that I wanted to speak to was your comment earlier about um, the, how this program fits into EV awareness and kind of your question, I think, was baked in there, mm-hmm. whether it was designed with that in mind, and the, the answer to that is absolutely. Um, we know that there is a gap in understanding uh, between, you know, early adopters understand it, but when we're getting to the masses, there is this ramp-up piece to try to educate, raise awareness of how this can fit their lifestyle. That also includes switching the way that you fill up the tank, mm-hmm. so to speak, um, and you got to charge down, not go to your local gas station. Um, and that comes with its different challenges. It works differently than uh, filling up your gas in your in your gasoline engine uh, vehicle. So that's all part of it. And we do, as part of this program, tr- go in and train our dealers on how to present this, um, this program to their uh, customers. Um, so if there are questions around this, et cetera, they can answer them. Okay. And what percentage of Hyundai dealers today, are, I guess, are EV certified, if, or whatever the terminology is that, that you use internally? Uh, what percentage of Hyundai dealers are selling EVs? And um, what, what's the feedback been from dealers about Evolve Plus and their willingness to, to adopt this program? So between 50 55% of the dealers are what's considered Ionic certified dealers okay. to um, receive allocation and sell and service the vehicles. Um, DV. As far as um, the uptake of the, the program, um, today there's only eight dealers across six states involved. Um, we've been, which is, we spent the last year mm-hmm. working through the pilot and ensuring that everything works as seamlessly as we wanted it to for, for the customer and the dealer to, to operate this program. Um, we're starting to communicate with dealers and we're seeing a high level of interest in our dealers. And I believe next week we have more things on tap with our dealers to really outreach more. Um, but we're seeing a, a fair amount of interest from our dealers in doing this. Our intent is over the course of the next year through the end of 23 to have every single one of those IANIC certified dealers um, enrolled and active in the program. Okay. Great. It's a pretty massive national. Okay. And, of course, you know, going back to, you know, one of the, the driving forces behind this, you know, is to get new EV customers. Um, obviously, somebody that's new to EVs probably not going to have a charger at home. Um, is there a component of this or is there something else that Hyundai has to help new customers, new to EV customers, um, get set up with home charging? So are you, are you, I'm sorry, can you clarify the question? Uh, yeah, I mean, does, does Hyundai um, have any kind of program um, to help facilitate um, customers that are getting their first EV 
um, you know, get, you know, find an electrician uh, if, if that's necessary to do an installation of a level two um, or provide any discounts on that. Yeah, and so I'm really glad I asked for the clarification yeah. because we do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we also, um, in November, announced um, the, the launch of our Hyundai Home Concierge Service. So okay. this is an entirely bundled package that's, um, that you can take as many of these components as you want or as little as you want, but it's um, it's the solar panels, it's the storage, it's the it's the plug, it's all of it. And then there's a there's actually a think of a customer service line, right, where they walk you through everything you need to know, including um, here's an electrician you can use. Oh, here are incentives. Oh, and by the way, you're gonna qualify for federal incentives on your house as X, Y, and Z. So we do have that product available, and it works seamlessly with this program. Okay. Great. Um, anything else that people should know about Evolve Plus or kind of your, your growing EV strategy? I think that um, without question, Hyundai is leaning into electrification. Um, and this piece, trying to help educate the customer, that's the piece that we really feel is going to propel us forward. Uh, because once you get in our EVs, you realize how fantastic they are, and you don't want to go back. Um, so we, we think that it's really going to, like I said, push us forward um, and help bring more people aboard. Okay. Great. Thank you. Yeah, great. Okay. And we're back. And um, let's hit a couple of listener questions. Um, as I've mentioned in past weeks, um, if you want to uh, participate in the show and send us uh, a voice recording of your question or comment, you can do that. Um, you can send it, uh, you can either, if it's a small enough file, you can send it directly uh, to feedback at wheelbearings.media, or you can put it in a Dropbox or OneDrive or wherever and just send us a link to it. And that's uh, Adam Jackowenko sent us a, a file with his question. And uh, Robbie, can you play that for us? Hey, Wheel Bearings crew, this is Adam in San Diego, and I thought I would send a voice comment. Switch things up a little bit for you. Anyway, I thought I would comment on the new GM site that just debuted, evlive.gm.com. It's actually their way that they can uh, provide live chat, answer questions about their EVs, and even do one-way video demos where you can see them, but they can't see you. I actually sent this to my parents, whose first EV will be a Lyric, if it ever gets delivered. <laughs> I've used it twice already. Big if there. I'll wait to speak with someone. Uh, that could probably change if it catches on, but they said it was a much better experience than asking their local dealer questions, who apparently knows very little. So, And also a lot better than asking me all their questions all the time. Cause I also <laughs> so, anyway, thought I would share. Yeah, so this is part of GM, <clears throat> the GM Live program. Uh, they actually launched this in 2020 with Cadillac. Uh, Cadillac was the first brand to, to launch this uh, with live.cadillac.com and they've got live.chevrolet.com. I think uh, I think those are the URLs. I'll, I'll double check those and put the links in. Um, and now they've got one for EV Live. And the, what, uh, what they're doing is GM actually has a studio in uh, Sterling Heights, Michigan. Uh, I was actually there for a GMC event uh, a couple of weeks ago, and you know, so they have within this large building that they that they have, they've got a bunch of smaller studios in there for the different brands and different vehicles, and they've got product experts in there uh, who have been trained by GM 
as opposed to being, you know, dealer personnel that may have looked through a brochure or something. You know, who knows what kind of training they <laughs> That one time I looked through a thing and I thought I was thinking... <laughs> And, and so, you know, the, um, you can log in there, you know, into the, the live site and do a live chat. And they, you know, you can, in some cases, they'll be in a studio with the car that you want to talk about. And they can do a live walk around and answer your questions. You know, so if there's something on the car you want to get a look at, something in the interior or exterior, you know, they can walk you around and answer all your questions. And they've been really well trained um, and uh, you know they, they tend to have a better understanding of the product than typical sales personnel um, so it's worth worth taking a look if, if you're interested in something from GM yeah that's pretty neat I just poked around I hadn't seen that site before it does look pretty slick and a nice way to figure out a little bit more about EVs without getting too far into the weeds like a little bit more layperson friendly yeah all right, and then the last one uh, from M. Burns uh, on Mastodon uh, says, uh, uh, well, the first question he had was about uh, how do folks join the Discord to talk with us, uh, and uh, I uh, sent him a link to that, and I will also post that. I'll put that link in the show notes for this episode. Up until this week, we've been reserving it for patrons, but I'm going to going to open it up to everybody now. Ooh. So everybody can try it Ooh, out. Ooh, go Sam. Look yeah. at that. Um, well, you have a special you, room for patrons, like a like the patron party room. Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Champagne and out. and doves. I don't know. Doves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Champagne and doves. That's a party. Okay. <laughs> All right. And then he also had a question, uh, but uh, he says, "I have a quad cab uh, truck uh, used occasionally for towing and hauling. Would really like to move to a PHEV, uh, like a Jeep Wrangler 4xe, though." Uh, though. How many manufacturers are, or how are manufacturers defining towing for PHEVs? Are there any gotchas in the fine print about damaging the battery or electric motor? Um, well, you should probably always check the fine print for gotchas because there there, there may be some there. Uh, but in general, the the tow ratings for plug-in hybrids or or hybrids uh, and and for, frankly everything now are all done with the same standard. There's um, there used to be every manufacturer had their own way of testing their um, their towing, coming up with their tow ratings. And um, back about, so what, uh, I think 10, 12, maybe 13 years ago, um, the Society of Automotive Engineers put together a standard called J2807, which is a standardized test procedure for measuring towing capability. And so that is used by everybody now, regardless of what the powertrain is. Um, so if uh, I'm not sure what the tow rating is, for example, for a Wrangler plug-in hybrid, or um, I'm not sure if the Wrangler 4x8. Oh, if only we knew someone who had one of those. I don't know what the tow rating is. I'm literally frantically Googling right now. Oh, um, it Nick, says oh. it's, I know. I don't really tow with it. 23 <laughs> Jeep Wrangler 4x8, 3,500 pounds. Okay. I think for the uh, for the Grand Cherokee 4x8, it's a little bit, I think it's about, I think it's actually about 6,000 pounds. Uh, but I'm not 100% certain. Maybe you can check that for me too, Nicole. I'm working uh, on it. I know. I know it's definitely <laughs> it's on the higher, case. Higher than the rent. It says 3,500 to 6,000. So maybe it depends. Okay. How so it's yeah, equipped, it depends so. on your configuration. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you know, and those those tow ratings are going to be comparable to what you would get for any. You know, I mean, in terms of the way they're measured, it's the same procedure uh, across the board, regardless of what the powertrain is. 
And I don't really think there's gotchas in terms of, like, they try and surprise you, but it's always good to read, like, if you tow all the time, or even if you just know you're going to tow, just make sure you read the whole thing before you commit to your vehicle. Cause and make sure you look at the trim level. Yeah, because like yeah. you just saw on the, the Grand Cherokee 4 by that I just pulled up, it's not it's not the same on every version of your car. If you're going to get the yeah. limited or this or that or all-wheel drive or not all-wheel drive or whatever you're getting, make sure you look for exactly what you're buying and know exactly what you're buying and how much it tows because it can vary from trim to trim and you don't want to – the gotchas if you're not paying attention more and you just think, oh, they all tow 5000 but the one you got only tows 35 then you're in trouble. Then you can hurt your car. Yeah, and you know, because especially with something like a Jeep, uh, for example, where you've got some radically different type of tires on some of these models. You know, if you're getting a Wrangler Rubicon or uh, a Grand Cherokee um, Trailhawk, you know, where it's got you know these off-road all-terrain tires, um, the tow ratings on those are typically going to be a little lower than what you would get, you know, on a standard all-season tire, uh, just because of the way the load ratings are done for those tires. So you you want to look. You, you want to check what it is for the specific configuration you want. Mm-hmm. One other thing to look out for, um, you know, generally there, there's not going to be a problem with the, the batteries or, or the, the motors. Um, but I know in the past, um, you know, the, uh, some sometime long ago, I was at uh, a drive program for, uh, I think it was for the Chevy Traverse, the original Chevy Traverse. And they had um, the Toyota Highlander there. Uh, Highlander Hybrid, in fact, as a comparison vehicle. And they showed us something from the owner's manual in there for towing that um, you could tow 3,500 pounds with the Highlander Hybrid, but Toyota said do not go over 55 miles an hour when you're towing with this vehicle. So, um, you know, you have to watch. There, There may be some limitations that you need to watch out for, but that is not necessarily specific to being electrified. Right. Yeah. It's just there's nothing that they do differently in terms of how they try to inform you. It's just always just really pay attention. Make sure you read the whole thing every time like that, you know, all yep. the caveats that could be in there so that you're not unpleasantly surprised when you go to tow and realize you can't tow what you thought you wanted to tow. Whoopsie. Whoopsie. Yep. All right. Uh, and that's it for this week. Uh, anything else you guys have? I don't have anything else. That's it. All right. Everything. Not a zippo. See you next time. (laughs) Bye, everyone. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.